friends. Welcome to Rebellion Creates Fatherhood Field Notes podcast, where I interview incredible fathers, gaining wisdom from their stories for you and I to grow in our craft. I'm your guide, Ned Shout, father to five kiddos, currently ages 9 to 16, and husband to my rad wife, Sarah, working on her 18th year of marriage. So yep, I'm in the thick of it, the adventure of fatherhood, and I am working daily to rebel against the low expectations for fathers and create a world where fathers know who they are as they show up for their families. You and I have the greatest opportunity to impact our world through the way we embrace our fatherhood role. I believe the role of the father is to serve, guide, provide, protect, and of course, have fun in the messiness of it all. I'm really excited for you to meet today's guest, Neil Kanak. He is a father of three boys, and this is truly an incredible conversation. Neil is rebelling against being the normal family and is teaching his boys how to show up and serve the world, and at the same time, how to get what they want out of life. Enjoy meeting my friend, Neil. Fatherhood Field Notes. Super stoked to be sitting down with Neil Kanak. Neil, how are you today? Uh, doing well, man. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, you know what? We are both in a sales training uh, virtual class, and I heard you make a comment uh, during one of our calls. There's probably like, you know, anywhere from 10 to 25 guys on that call, um, just from all over the place. And you made a comment that you had three boys and that one of your core values as a family was protect the queen. And right. you know what? I love fatherhood, love my wife, love my, I have four daughters and a son. And when I hear that, it jumps out to me, not just because the fatherhood podcast and I love talking fatherhood, but to go this guy, there's something about this guy, something he knows. And like to know that there's a man out there that's setting that kind of tone in their home just gives incredible hope that, you know, my daughters are going to have great men to marry. So before we jump into all of our questions and kind of the podcast flow, tell me about this value protect the queen what does that mean in the family right so it's based on <clears throat> what i felt was kind of uh, needed in our family at the beginning it's actually borrowed from uh i read one of the books from dave ramsey and he had a like a mantra that he and he got it from somebody else of course so it's it's an old theory but you know it's just that repetition and uh just to add some clarity uh, to, to what we stand for. And so I developed, uh, the first version, which was three main points that we stand for and live by. Um, and I kept looking for, you know, great way to coin it or whatever. And, and credo is sort of an acting faith. It's a belief, but there's like, you know, it's not just something you, you believe it's you do. And so I really like the, the concept of that. And then it happened to just rhyme with Canuck. So our Canuck credo, uh, as it's now coined and used throughout the family, uh, became those core principles. And um, so number one, uh, and the, so we have, now we have four, uh, the boys kind of joined the last one and, and really haven't fully taken ownership of it yet, but they do, they do a good job of trying. So uh, number one, we serve Christ. And um, that's, it's not from a, like, like I don't want to impose religion on my kids. I want them to have a relationship with our heavenly father. Mm. And it's really just that simple. Don't overcomplicate it with, you know, even church traditions or something like that. We just, we serve our heavenly father and, and his main two requests is get to know him and love, you know, another, like, like I have loved you. And it's, it's really, to me, that simple hmm. people way too much. 
overcomplicate it and just, you know, make it overly spiritualized. And that's, that's just not me or, you know, how I, how I choose to live. But so surf Christ is number one. If all else fails, get that one right. Um, number two is protect the queen. Um, and that's because we just understand, you know, mama bear is, is highly important in our family. Uh, we joke constantly that we wouldn't function longer, be starving in a matter of a week. If, uh, you know, <laughs> she were to roll out or something and, uh, it's a, it's a very old joke, but you know, I, every once in a while, if she's gone for too long, I'm like, Hey, did you go out for cigarettes? You know, <laughs> and uh, or go out for smokes or whatever that, you know, that it is. And, um, yeah, no, she's, she's amazing. One of the best part of our lives. And so I want, I want our boys to, you know, highly exotic and, and protecting isn't just a, a male macho thing. You know, it has a lot to do. Uh, dishes can be protecting the queen mm. uh, sometimes even from herself. Right. I mean, it's just, there's much more layers than just bad guy comes. We stop them. It's, you know, how's the room look, you know, and we know these things are important to her. We may not get them, you know, and, and that's, you know, true in a marriage, right? There's no doubt. several components that, I mean, I, I got one wallet I've had for like the last decade, right? Probably since, you know, like the Clinton administration and, um, you know, and she's got like now racks and walls of purses on. And so we've agreed and discussed, you know, I don't have to understand that, but that's, you know, part of what she sees value in. So, so I support it. So that's, that's number two, protect the queen. Um, three is live with passion. So mm. I, I want these, these boys, I don't care what it is. You know, we don't have to do something. Uh, just, just swing at it. Even if it's a colossal screw up or failure, you know, you're living with passion. Um, and then lastly is no brother left behind. So as a family unit, we lift up, we don't tear down. Um, and so that's, that's the four principles of which we live by. And what's amazing is, is having that, that credo, you know, that those, they're just discussed, uh, I mean, weekly for sure. In the beginning, it's daily just to kind of ingrain it and get it going. But mm-hmm. most of the failures or the, when we miss the targets as, you know, myself included as Canuck men, it's, it's literally a breakdown of one of those four concepts. So it's given us a really kind of cool talking point within a family it's like, all right, so where do we screw up? And I let them dialogue. And, you know, it, and it's always interesting. Like in sales, you know, you can't pose something on a customer or understand their problems. You know, for the kids, I want them to dialogue and tell me their version of how they see it went wrong. Because it's typically a little bit different and nuanced than, than I was anticipating it. And I think it just it creates for better communicators in, in my boys. Man, I dig it. I dig it. Uh, so good. So let's come, we'll come back to that. I'm going to just get some of these initial questions out of the way. Um, sure. Cause I think we could dig into, okay, like, why did you do that? And et cetera. So we'll come back to that. But how old do you find yourself today? Uh, 45 years young. <laughs> 45 years young. And yes, how many years you've been married? Uh, 19. Nice. And then how old are your three boys? So Kingston's 13. He's my oldest. Uh, Ryland is 10 and Jace is eight. Okay. Love it. Love it. And then what do you do for a living to provide for the family? Oh, that's always a fun question. Uh, I, I, I literally, the knee jerk joke as little as possible, but that's, that's pretty far from accurate. <laughs> um, so I, I co-own a software company, uh, and then I'm a partners in another, and then I do, uh, kind of sales consulting and help on that end, uh, all based within the agriculture industry. So okay. I'm central California. Um, we're in the heart of ag. I grew up on the farm and 
got away and found a lot of gaps and needs that we can kind of help fill. And, and for me, that tool or that, you know, uh, channel was software and, and I love it. I absolutely love what I do and, and blessed to, to help people and, and do what I do. Nice. Good. Yeah. When you hear the word father, what would you define the role of the father as in just a couple of sentences? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I mean, a lot of the, for me, stereotypical stuff, you know, protector, provider and stuff like that. But, um, I mean, at the end of the day, I think, you know, we need to lead by example. I think there's, uh, to me, provide is a big one, but provide, um, money is, is not even the key indicator of that. I don't think it's how many zeros you have in your bank account. Uh, you could be a millionaire, but you don't provide them with, uh, you know, showing them how to be secure about things mm-hmm. or, or to, you know, go screw up a project or learn how to even just change oil on a truck, I think is providing for them. So I'm trying to give them the tools and, uh, and just lead by example. I mean, I can kind of gripe about things, but if I'm not doing them myself, I, I think that's, that's most of the battle in my opinion. So I like that. So you said a few things there, but at the end of it, you said basically if I'm not doing them myself, then it doesn't really matter. So leading by example, ultimately is the role of the father is to show the kids the way through sounds like, you know, you're continually growing as a person and letting your kids be along the journey of that with you. Oh, absolutely. And I think half the time, um, I mean, I joke constantly, there's just no manual for this thing. Right. And I'm, I'm far from perfect as dad. Uh, but I think, I think the biggest mistake you can make is trying to be too, you know, like you have it figured out or, yeah, you know, I agree. It's, I, I can't count how many times I've pulled kids aside and, you know, and just said, man, I screwed that up or, you know, uh, I lost my temper there. I blew it, you know, and I'm sorry. Or, you know, I, on occasion, you know, it, I don't even have all the information, but I reacted. And so to, I'm like, man, will you forgive me? Like literally that I, I misunderstood that was on me. That wasn't you, you know, will you forgive me? I think that's 10 times more powerful than trying to be this example. That's, you know, not attainable or realistic. And, and I don't, that's, it's not who I am at the core. Yeah. I'm, you know, I've gotten where I am and, and I feel I'm, I'm pretty good at a few really niche things because I've messed them up for a long time. And that's, that's building the muscle, you know? Yeah. Learning from the failure. Yeah. What's been a good resource for you? So whether it's, you know, when you first had kids or toddlers, now you got some middle school age, what's been a good resource for you, um, in your fatherhood role? I'd say it's been a blend of things. Um, my dad was, uh, he's just, it is amazing. He's my neighbor, uh, lives next door. And that's uh, cool. Yeah, actually, I mean, he's, he was actually my Bible teacher as well in high school. So he's taught Bible for, uh, I don't know about Bible the whole time, but he's been teaching for over 50 years. Wow. And he too, just, I mean, people are like, you're going to retire. Why would I do that? That's, you know, I I enjoy teaching and the students and it gives them energy. And, um, but I think teaching does that for, I think we're designed for it. I think there's a layer of you know, helping somebody else win and imparting knowledge. That's just, just core to our DNA. I, I believe that. Um, 
So my dad was, was number one, again, not a perfect father. Um, but you know, he, he took time to be with us and, and teach us the way. And, and from a spiritual aspect, definitely led by example. I mean, I don't know to this day, I don't know anybody more in the word or diving in or, um, in fact, he's teaching my boys, his grandkids, he'll print out verses. And then he has these pencils that are like blue and half blue, half red, um, and teaches them how to highlight words and then connect them and um, figure out themes within scripture. It's, it's a really kind of cool, you know, analytical way of, of looking at scripture, but then cueing in a visual with tie-in words and points and subjects that, that tie in. How, um, how do your boys feel about your dad, their grandpa? Oh yeah, they they love them. They they'll be over there. They'll they do work yard work for them, and he overpays them, of course, as as grandpas probably should. But um, yeah, see that's see, I bring it up because um, man, the opportunity, especially for grandparents to to pour life into their grandkids, is huge. You know, I was talking to an eleven year old boy yesterday, and he's homeschooled, and he had spent the day with his grandpa, and he told me everything they did together. And it, it's pretty cool because then I see, oh, that's what my life will be like in, you know, 30 years or whatever. But I mean, I mean, in a lot of ways, I feel like we just haven't, we haven't really taken advantage of the relationships we could and should have with the older generation right now, kind of Absolutely. discredited it in some aspect. But it's so critical, especially I would say young men and young girls, but young men to have leaders and mentors in their life. Um, tell me about how's your relationship with your dad now? You're 45 and your dad's your neighbor. Are you guys tight? Uh, he's one of my best friends. So how did how did he cultivate that? Right? Because I think most men at 45 would love to say that. So you know, if you were to look at your dad and say, "Man, this is how he cultivated that," and I want to do the same with my boys. And if any other dad wants to set that up, you know, like my son's 12 now, I want to be, I want him to say that when he's 45. You know? Yeah what does it look like for him to have created that relationship with you? Well, he would probably say uh, he did it wrong back in the day, if I had to guess. Um, and I would say there's layers of that, that, that could be accurate. Um, and the fact that he just, I mean, he was a driver, he farmed, he taught, uh, he was the athletic director. He was the head basketball coach for years. So travel practice. And so he felt like for a good season, he wasn't there, but I just, you know, he was big, good on vacations, you know, with mm. the family. And, uh, we did a lot of projects together. That's chopping wood or farm really at its core nature, uh, lends itself well to environment of working together projects and you're, you're growing food. I mean, there's nothing more kind of raw and primitive than that. And yeah, it's, it's the joke in ag, right? You know, everybody's got to eat, you know, like it or not. It's the one commodity we can't literally live without. Um, so, you know, yeah, I think he just did, I think he did, did a better job than he, than he thought. I mean, it, he did work some long hours, but. Was know. there a turning point for him when, and I know we're kind of talking about him without him here, but from your yeah. perspective, was there a turning point where you're at a certain age and now he became more present um, or different for you? I would definitely say, because for a long season, he was my boss as I worked on the, on the farm. Okay. Um, and I was at that time, uh, not a good employee. I mean, <laughs> I mean, totally like sleeping in the truck, just, you know, I didn't appreciate it back then. Um, but I think that's, you know, those, those things mold you and make you who you are definitely yeah. in a later season. 
uh, I would say we became more friends. And I personally don't believe in that adage that you can't be friends with your kids. I think that's a wrong mindset. I, I get the high level concept that you're trying to segregate like when it's adult time versus friend time. Yeah. But I'd say all three of my boys are some of my best friends outside of, mm-hmm. outside of my wife. Uh, they're just my favorite people. Uh, it's who I want to be around. And um, yeah, and we do a lot to invest in activity type things. Um, I think one of the, some of the biggest detriments and it pains me and I'm not perfect at it by any means, but the whole, and we just call them screens in the household. Um, I mean, we don't, we have, I think, one video gaming console. It's a Wii from like, you know, <laughs> the original Wii. Um, yeah. With the little paddles that you swing. Uh, I think I think those are things that steal and rob from those potential moments. And it's just easy, right? Ah, kids bother me. Just get them on a phone or a device. Um, so we've basically locked down every spare phone we got. And they have to get permits in 15-minute increments, which I think is a good tool, honestly. Hmm. Yeah, uh, I like it. Teach- teaches them to kind of set breaks and um, you just don't need to be on something for 45 minutes or an hour. And again, not perfect at this, but we were very intentional on kind of where they're investing time as well. Um, but back to one more point to your, your question. Um, I had a phenomenal mentor and have a phenomenal mentor. He's, he's been around a lot of years, you know, he's in his eighties now. A uh, very successful businessman. I just I called him up and said, "Look, I I want to be where you at someday. Can we meet?" And he's like, "Absolutely." And so he's encouraged me in my faith. And um, a lot of his story uh, is one kind of cautionary tale because uh, he spent a lot of time on the road um, mm. as a traveling sales guy. Of course, you know, amassed quite a fortune even to this day. But he's able to give and you know and just really bless others through it but uh he he has said more than once like his kind of biggest regret was um just not being around for the family and and being on the road too much so stuff like that uh because it's like you get all this you know you mass this we'll just call it worldly wealth or numbers in the bank account um you know what what expense or cost and for me it's just i'd rather be dirt poor but my boys want to hang out with me so yeah yeah it's a tough balance though because you want to be able to do things with your family or you want your kids to be able to play sports and have the cleats and this, that, and the other. And it's just expensive. You know, it's expensive to, to live in California. It's expensive to live anywhere, but finding that balance of not working to build this thing for your family and then them be gone by the time you've built it. Yeah. No, that is the, uh, (laughs) the age old, uh, uh, issue I would say, you know? Um, but I, I think people must read that too. You know, it's, uh, I don't know. We can't tell you how many like dumb little things, you know, just scrap. I mean, I'm lucky to have a shop and a shed, you know, attached behind the house. It's separate, but it's so we're out there, you know, we built a skateboard ramp last weekend. Right. And it was like scrap wood and it's it ugly as sin, but works <laughs> and you know, they can, they can get jumps on it. So, you know, I think we overthink that. Um, most of our funnest things, uh, were given to us actually. Mm. Um, including our ski boat that we've had for three years. Um, literally, uh, we were blessed and that was a gift. Um, and I was building, you know, my, some of my companies at the time, which is very capital, you know, yeah, uh, yeah. costly. And so, yeah, I, I literally just, we spoke a boat into our life and it literally showed up. That's awesome. Yeah. 
So I'm gonna I'm gonna shift gears on you here for a second. So sure. the podcast is is called Fatherhood Field Notes, and you're doing it, opening up your field notes, sharing your life, sharing um, your credo, your family, your boys. The mantra behind it is rebel and create, and that is a mantra that has become really important to me um, the past sheesh, I mean seven years now. And the idea is I'm rebelling against something, whether it be cell phone at the dinner table or, you know, what the world says a father should be, not just to be rebellious, but to tear down a status quo so that I can create something in the replace of it. So when you hear those words, rebel and create, what's something that you are rebelling against and what do you hope to create out of that rebellion? Yeah. Again, another good question. And, and I even like the branding of it. It's, <laughs> it just sounds cool. Uh, Cause I think we all, especially as men or maybe just me just have that little, and I'm a middle child. So it, it kind of pencils too, right? Like that's, I got that little one to be out of the box. Don't, you know, put me in a certain lane. Um, honestly. And it's, it's pretty, you know, talked about in our family. It's just being normal mm. um, or normalcy, if you will, if you want a high level topic, because you know, and I've had that conversation probably a hundred times with my boys. Yeah, that's what everybody else does. Good for them. If you want their results of mediocrity, go for it. You want something great? It takes being, I mean, driving to baseball practice last night, you know, a song came on and, and they like the artist. And so we just talk about that. You know, mm-hmm. it took them years of in some bedroom somewhere, just banging out awful chords you know, and, and singing horribly and, you know, now they're kind of the overnight success. Right. So I think a lot of it for me is about journey. Um, but just, I don't know, it was, a uh, Derek Sivers quote that I liked. He's a, he's an interesting guy, but he took piano lessons in and he went from this kind of crazy high level pianist and, um, so it's get anything you want is the reference of the book. It's short and it's, it's got a lot of kind of good little nuggets in it. Okay. Um, and so the piano one was he went to this, you know, teacher and he's like, all right, like how bad do you want this? It was like the question. And he's like crazy bad. He's like, okay, so we can, you know, kind of, we can do the average or we can, we can get there a lot faster. What do you want? He's like a lot faster. Okay. Well then you got to go crazy fast. So, you know, here, write this, read this music. And there's just a bunch of like quick stuff. And then he was out of there. And the, the quote from the teacher, which I, I love, is um, the average pace is for jumps. So it's basically, yeah, if you want average results, we'll just do average work, you know. But if you want some more high-level stuff or you want to really dive in, you got to go a little crazy for a while. And mm-hmm. you got to put the hammer down and go get it. It's not going to be perfect, and there's no manual on half this stuff. But you just uh, – it's, it's the act of doing I think that's, that's my biggest thing. I mean, it's with my oldest, we've started a handful of like many companies already and two or three of them, uh, didn't work out so well, you know, it's uh, and, and it's a blend of stuff, but it's fun to talk about that stuff. Yeah. Uh, we, I had a roaster locally who would white label coffee bags for him. Um, he sold out and people still ask him for coffee, uh, but he wasn't, crazy passionate about it and just didn't really connect with the product. He wasn't a coffee drinker. Obviously he's 13. Yeah. Uh, it was, I think he was like 11 when we started. Uh, he does like the flavor though. So if it's coffee, ice cream, he'll eat it. But so there was a little, so it was just a fun moment to kind of talk about that. And that was so easy. That was some Amazon coffee bags that was just making a friend at a roaster and just saying, Hey, look, this it's selling the story, right? Telling them this is what my kid's doing. 
um, you know, do you want to help? And who wouldn't? I mean, if you got yeah, people want to help, roast, they do. So he's like bulk bagging roast and it kind of gets his word out, you know, cause like, well, who does this? Well, it's, you know, these guys in, in Fresno. And, and so, uh, I, I love stuff like that. And now he's actually figured so, out some things that do work. So, which is kind of cool. So what are some of those things that do work? So he's, he's a firstborn. so a little bit more analytical, you know? Um, so he's figured out some computer stuff like, uh, graphics. And so he's, okay. I, bu- I bought him a sticker cutter and he's whipping out stickers and sell them at school. I mean, every batch he takes, uh, he comes back with cash and That's I, I'm, rad. I'm probably going negative on it. Um, <laughs> it's not even about the money. Yeah, for sure. Um, and, and really to try to simplify some of the stuff that, that nobody taught me, I had to go figure out on my own. You know, we, we have like mock accounting, you know, it's, it's, you know, we make terms down to like, what'd you make, what it take. Uh, and then you got to pay Don. And so when we made that up, obviously, uh, Trump was in office. So Don was the, Don was the government. So, nice. you know, just kind of fun little, uh, making a, cause I mean, my wife's good at accounting, but, um, I'm not, I'm, I'm more of the high level guy and like to put things together. So it's, it's a fun way of him understanding a light layer of accounting. And we even use like beans that represented like $10 or something if that makes mm-hmm. sense. So, so you visually see, this is what we had to pay. This is what we made. So we get to keep, but then you got to shave a little off for Dawn and just, yeah, just kind of making entrepreneurship fun. I mean, kids are great entrepreneurs. They just don't have all the mind. Oh yeah. Um, Dude, I love it. So what are a couple other things that you do to not be normal? And maybe that's, you know, something that you have your kids do read a uh, morning routine, evening routine, food. Like what are a couple things that you would say, this is what um, our family does that wouldn't be considered normal? Well, it's hard to say it's the only family I've ever, uh, you know, yeah. had the privilege of leading. Um, but I just, I know there's some hard lines in the sand with our family and we, d- we don't, uh, stray. Uh, I mean, no screens at the dinner table and dinner is, is very important. It doesn't happen every night. We got baseball and everything. It's getting more chaotic yeah. the older they get. Uh, but yeah, not a single screen. And, and every dinner we try to ask, you know, Hey, favorite part of the day. And, um, yeah, so we go around the room and then wh- whoever shares then passes it off to the next person. Um, we do, we do prayer every night and honestly, I would think for a listener, even if they're not, you know, uh, subscribe to a certain faith, if you will, um, there's a connection and there's a, a deeper meaning to just mindful talk. And mm-hmm. I, I wish there was like another example that I only know prayer is powerful for us. I mean, and so we take turns, each boy, whoever day, day it is to feed the dog, right? Like they pray that night. So they engage in it and they, we didn't start off that way. And for the first probably two years, they asked, well, what do I pray for? And so we just fed them some, you know, requests, but make sure it's not all requests either. That's, you got to kind of put a balance there. Um, Yeah. Oh yeah. And just, I mean, a couple other ideas are, you know, we've done uh, Wim Hof's breathing, you know, 10 minute breathing together on some mm. nights, or we'll just go around and say, what are we grateful for? Um, or go around and say, um, you know, usually we do this on somebody's birthday, but we'll go around and say, what do you love about mom? Right. And everybody's got to go around and give her the gift of like something they love about her. Um, and then there's like, you know, there's the calm app or soul space or these different apps with like five to 10 minute meditations, but you're right. I mean, prayer is a built into our faith. So it's kind of a, just like an 
easy, not easy, but it's, it's, it's a, it's a default, but there are other ways to pause and connect. And those yeah. things are good to do as you know, like we've rotated through different things, depending on what we're feeling to shake it up. But, um, yeah, well, you, that, t- I think you touched important. on one that's, that's also huge. Um, uh, breath work. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. Uh, cause my middle son definitely is a little bit more and has a proclivity for anxiety and, and mm-hmm. kind of getting in his own head. Um, I have literally, and it's amazing once they get it, it for, at least for me and my family is a game changer. Uh, and I got it from some guy on YouTube who calmed down a baby doing it. He just held the baby close and slowed his breath and you watch the baby calm down and a light goes off like, holy smokes. And so for him, we've taught hmm. just the slow and intentional about your breath. It's, you know, it's a, it's a draw in and then it's a release. And I have literally watched his shoulders drop and him become a different person. Um, over breath work. Um, yeah. So I, I would highly recommend any dad invest in that. I don't care what age you yourself. I mean, I do a, a nighttime breath work routine and I jump between, you know, box breathing, which is, you know, could be four in, four out, four hold, you know, for release, um, uh, to different. Um, I did Wim Hof for a while, but, uh, it small cautionary tale is, so I was uh, born with epilepsy. It got fixed. That's a long, whole nother story, but, um, that it doesn't, it can trigger, uh, epilepsy among people who are, are prone to that. So, um, it, it started kind of triggering auras for me. So I had to stop, but a lot of the other less intense, more calming, relaxing mm-hmm, effects mm-hmm. has been huge that. And I believe in just, and like, there's so many dumb characters I have in our, our family. It's, and they love it too. Cause they'll kind of mock, mock it sometime nighttime. You know, when we're praying, if they've been rowdy that night, you know, Ninja Dad shows up. Ninja Dad <laughs> okay. believes the world is tough and uh, it's not an easy place. So he must inflict pain so that, it's, you know, and it's a, <laughs> it's the dumbest thing in the world. Oh, my gosh. No, but it's it the best thing. That's what's, yeah. that's what's so great about being a dad. And what's funny is I've had about, I don't know, 150 of these conversations uh, with dads. And we haven't really got into that. You know, that's like the way that I show up and tickle my kids and I'm silly with my kids. And sometimes it lands and sometimes it doesn't. But to be a goofy dad, you can still be intentional and lead your family, but still be ninja dad or whatever it is. Um, But, dude, we just got to own that. It's not goofy or dumb. Like that is something our kids. Oh, it's goofy and dumb, but that's. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But it's supposed to be right. Yeah, no, 100 percent. And I, I think that's what. I thought most dads just, you know, I mean, if anything that I, I think I'm just naturally a big old dork, like it's, uh, I'm shocked sometimes myself that I run a team of people and, you know, like they knew me personally and, you know, it, it's very silly, but, but that's kind of who I am, but you're right. They're not going to remember this stoic, you know, uh, we had piano lessons for, you know, six hours a day. I'm not saying that's bad inherently, but yeah, I think it's those outliers. I think it's those silly moments. It's, uh, it's mm-hmm. the worm drill, <laughs> you know? That that's our, you know, we used to tickle them when they're little, like, you know, you know, they'd have to start the worm drill. It'd be like a little chainsaw motor and it would just oh, drill into it. them. Oh my <laughs> gosh. I love it. Um, oh, that's so fun. But yeah, no, my, my boys are, uh, well, two of my boys are highly physical. Um, and the other one's more analytical. And I just, it's funny. I think in early dad days, I tried to like change that or either mold them into me. And, and I've the biggest, I think, aha moment for me was when I just let it go. God's given them amazing gifts uh, as well as me and, and also weaknesses. So don't, 
that's right. I think it was like Peter Thiel who talked about spikes, right? I, I tell my boys a lot, you know, be that spike, be that. And, and the concept there for those who don't know is like he, he doesn't hire and he's co-founder of PayPal, very successful guys. Uh, I think it's zero to one is his book, uh, which I actually recommend reading. Um, he's not looking for that well-rounded like employee, you know, that everybody loves and he's okay if people can't stand them, but at that one thing, they're exceptional, you mm-hmm. know? And so I, I look for those things in my kids and, and just throw a lot of things at them. Um, like I said, we don't invest in gaming consoles, uh, but I'll buy a guitar or, or drums or, and it doesn't have to be the best. I mean, uh, used equipment works great. I think people always think it's got to be brand new or no, it, it doesn't. It could be an old garage sale one if it plays decent. Right. And, and half the stuff we get is either secondhand or, so I just don't want that mentality that you connect newness. I think adults get up in that trap, you know, it's mm. like, well, what are you driving? You know, well, who cares? You know, it's, that doesn't change me as a person or it doesn't define me. Yeah, yeah. man, man, that's really good. All right. So with that in mind, you got three boys ages eight to 13, right? And so mm-hmm. I'd like to kind of finish our time up with you bullet pointed some things and I can prompt you with them. But as you think about your boys, the next, you know, eight years or so, what are the things that you want to teach them and impart to them as they're leaving the home? Cause I think a lot of dads, you know, you've thought about this and you've already got your core values and your credo. And, and, and let's talk about that too. But, um, what are some of the things that you want your boys to know before they leave the house? And I want other dads to think about this as well. Like what are the things I need my son and or daughters to know before they leave? Sure. You know, I think a lot of ways it's just, uh, I mean, high level, um, that I love them fiercely. And those are the exact words I use with them as much as I can. And, and not to degrade the term, so sometimes we, we talk definitions. Um, I'll say the one skill I think all kids need, and I think this whole generation would look different if we could just learn to communicate better, hmm. you know? Um, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm very, and that can be dialogue with my wife in the kitchen, right? We have very real raw moments in front of them. I know some people kind of hide that and feel like, you know, they shouldn't see their parents fight. Um, and, and maybe there's a layer of, you know, I guess depends how healthy you fight in your marriage. Maybe there's some things to work on the home base. So, you know, yeah, I just want them to communicate uh, well. Um, I honestly, I think if they just kind of did a slightly better job of being a dad than I was, I think they'll be rock stars. Um, it's diving into them. At the hard part, the thing I've, I found even as of late, as they get older, it's very critical. You get some good one-on-one time with each. Mm-hmm. Um, and it doesn't mm-hmm. have to be as, I mean, we did the, the date, the kid night thing for a while and for a season that was wonderful. So each parent by themselves would take the kid, and, you know, go hit balls at the, you know, the batting cages or mini golf or whatever, but it can be, I mean, we just, you know, came back from vacation and it can be just one of the kids you just walk in. walking is a great, uh, tool. If you don't do that with your kids or as a family, I mean, the blood's flowing. And, and I think there's a lot of psychology too, especially when a kid's out on a walk. Uh, there's stuff that they would talk about and share that um, that they wouldn't if you were just sitting down or they were looking at a screen or distracted another way. Um, and I would say building their trust. Um, yeah, I just want to see really good communicators. And, uh, and I say salesmen because that's 
primarily my profession, but I think good sales is about helping people and seeing the gaps in their world as you know, we would from class. Um, I don't know. Do you, do you publicly promote where we, where we train or does that matter? Oh yeah. I don't care. Oh, okay. So yeah, Sand- open. yeah Sandler's the system uh, and they have this uh, principle of, of, and I'll just share, make it a quick story, but it's called reversing. So it's uh, asking a question to a question. Um, and the purpose of it is a lot of people, especially in a sales scenario, they kind of sniff out a sales guy. So they got their guard up. And so, you know, they're kind of throwing smokes. Wow, what's it cost? Or like, oh, I heard yeah. those break, you know, and all these little nuancey things that really has nothing to do with what's going on between the years, but it's a, it's a smoke screen one. So there's a game where you make a comment, Hey, is that a new shirt? And the other person depending on how the style of the game, sometimes they do a softening statement. Oh, this shirt here. Why are you looking to buy one? So never answered it, but reversed it with another question. And so I started playing this game with my kids. Um, and what's interesting is it's, it's a muscle mentally that they start to gain. And I've seen them leverage it on other people and even my wife sometimes. So I caution that it kind of <laughs> can semi backfire, but just, man, when they go for clarity on something that maybe you don't even know, you just said as a parent, it it's a new layer of communication between you and your kids. It's deep. Okay. So if a dad heard you say that just now and they, I'm saying this for myself, <laughs> they want to sure. go do this with their kids. Yeah. And I've been in the Sandler training, but only for like four months. What's the game? How would I, how would I play this with my kids? Can you give us like two or three questions that I could, that we could do with our kids to then teach them to do reversing? Yeah. So this, the straight game is, and there's two ways you can either question the question is just too raw, but in a sales uh, scenario, you want to soften it. So a softening statement is like one sentence. You can't answer the question, but it, it kind of segues into the question. Um, that way it's not so obvious and, and really not to be sneaky, but I mean, the tool is to help uncover what the actual reason for the question is. So we'll say, we'll play it with softening statements. So one person poses a question. Um, the other one will say, Oh, that, that's a good question or interesting. You ask that and then answer with a question. And as soon as one person pauses for, and you can kind of make, you know, what that time is, could be three seconds or it's normally you got them. It's clear on the face. And so there's a clear kind of winner loser, but you just keep going back and forth. Um, and it can go on and on and on. And, and because I used to practice with my kid in class, I used to be like the class leader. Um, and it could just really just go back and forth and, and continue that. But what it empowers in your kids. Um, so I'll say a quick, this is one of the points uh, in training my little salesman, I've narrowed sales down for them to, to one statement. So if they can grasp this, I think they'll be okay, both as salesmen or just dads in life. And the question to them is, so how do you get what you want? And the answer that they can reply is ask better questions. Hmm. And it's, I believe it's really that simple. I mean, you know, Hey mom, can I have a cookie? No. You know, typical kid like, all right, you know, walk off or, or just ask the same question over, over. Well, no, that's, you need a better question. Hey mom, could I eat something healthy and then have a cookie afterwards? Hey, now we're in more of a negotiation, more of a conversation where, and I just don't want the team and, and no, especially in sales. I mean, you just got to be a glut for punishment if you're good at it. <laughs> um, and that's okay. It's most of the time what we sell is not for everybody. So 
I wouldn't force it upon people. I don't think, I think that's where bad sales comes in is it's putting a product on somebody who's, you know, you just beat them cause you out, you know, pressured them or something. So I want them so, just, yeah. So I want to ask you a question because this is Do one it. of the bullet points you put. And then you made the comment just now create little salesmen. So clearly you're teaching your kids sales. And then at the end of the day, it was how to get what you want. Now, this really stood out to me as important because you on one hand, and I want to connect the two, are teaching your boys to be men of integrity, right? You've got a family credo, which is very uh, service focused, right? Starts off, serve Christ, protect the queen. I mean, those two things, dude, are you're going to create some freaking amazing families down the road when they have their own families. But then you're also saying, go get what you want, which which can come off as like very you know, macho and, and just take whatever. That's not what you're saying, but you're also not saying, Hey, be just a passive, whatever, and just serve, serve, serve without going and getting what you want. So talk, talk to me about tying those two together because they're connected, but I think our culture wants to separate them. Well, I'd be lying if I say there wasn't degrees that, uh, I didn't wrestle with myself. I mean, that's, that's Mm. a part of, building companies and, and a byproduct of that, you know, is creating wealth. Um, one of the old salesmen I used to follow years ago, not my mentor, but another one, um, used to say, you know, you know, people get all balled up on commissions and stuff in, in sales, but it at the core of it, that's how salesmen keep score. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, they say what poor salesmen, you know, the kids need shoes, right. You know, if it's cause they're not, they're not helping connect that. Um, you know, we, we, we live in a world where, you know, what you want could be a lot of things. Um, could be something change in a spouse. It could be something in yourself. Maybe you're not asking yourself the best questions. Um, so I, I think I just try to lead by example in, in not focusing on materialism and that our boat from 1974, we love it. Um, we name everything. So that's blue thunder. Uh, <laughs> you know, my old, my old truck, I drove a 99 Ford till last year when I upgraded. Um, that was Bamford, right? They just become family members and it's, it's learning how to take care of those things. I mean, I, they know I, my, my vehicles and cars last forever, but I am crazy about how to service them. Mm. Right. I record it. It's documented. I know every oil change. I know the products. I know the part numbers, um, and that's not me naturally all the time, but I just know it's important. So I put time there. Um, so it, honestly, it's a hard question. And I don't know that I get all figured out. I just think it's where you put your focus at the core of it. Yeah. So let's go back to the question for a minute. So yeah. your boys, okay. Your boys, you're teaching them to go out and be a conqueror in a sense, right? Um, maybe I'm putting words in your mouth. You tell me, no, I'm going to teach you how to get what you want. But, but then you're also teaching them how to have a servant mindset. And so do you think that you're, th- as we're tying those two together, that because of the lifestyle you've lived or your credo, your values, et cetera, that what they want isn't going to be what the world typically says a man wants, which is to like conquer in a, in a negative, like to cause damage. Yeah. And so is that the difference there then is is like when you're going out and saying, get what you want, you're getting what you want, not just for the sake of yourself. Well, hopefully that's something they've just picked up from, you know, me naturally as, Mm -hmm. and we will guide them. We're, 
we're very intentional about materialism. Uh, my wife would probably admit she struggles with it most, but that's sometimes that's more, you know, the joke joke around the family is that I was probably born in some past life and you know post depression era because I just I, I get attached <laughs> to things and and I, that dumb truck I still have it I probably should sell it but it's I love it it's yeah you know it's, it's part got of the character. family it's part of the family so and I and I think maybe the nuances too is is the question is how do you get how do you get what you want um, mm. so for me it's a little bit more about the tools and and kind of the way than acquiring or amassing wealth. Um, and I, and I would say to counter that, uh, hopefully we've decent, de- uh, done a decent job. Um, all three boys have been on international missions trips at mm-hmm. some point in their life. Uh, all three of them as babies, but then as young, um, uh, one as a toddler and the other two as, and then the family, we went to Mexico and, and built houses, um, for, you know, impoverished people. So I think it's, it's giving them that culture too. Uh, yeah. look, this is how so much, and, and just being intentional about, I mean, talking about it, Hey, we are the 1% of the world. We are rich. And that's not because there's a lot of zeros in the bank account. Um, you know, but because there's food in our fridge, there's a roof over our head, uh, there's warm water that comes out of the spigot. There's running water, clean water that we can drink. And that's, that's not the world. So there's a lot of questions in there and, yeah, I think it's just kind of guiding them in that journey. And we all, I think, go through seasons of materialism and, and we think that thing, you know, and, and some of my favorite, you know, leaders that I follow, Ed Milet, you know, for example, right. Just, just a beast of a guy and, and he's acquired a lot of wealth, mm-hmm. um, you know, and he makes comments like, you know, I've, I've been happy poor and, and I've been happy rich, but I, you know, I feel the latter is, is, you know, where I'd want to be. So, yeah, it's, it's complex. You know, I don't know if I got a, a good answer for it. I just know we live very within our means and we, we talk finances in front of the boys. I don't think that's, I think that was a lot of the mistake of the, of my dad's generation was everything, everything was faux pas. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, it's like, whoa, we don't talk these things. Now, I don't always tell them like, this is our income or this is what I made on, you know, crypto last month. But, you know, um, I think, you know, sometimes we have a lot of discussions like, hey, budget is tight because of this or, right. you know, whatever. So I think it's just a lot of dialogue again yeah. and, and talking to them like, like adults, even though they may not get the concepts. Um, yeah, but the more you talk yeah. about it, the more they get it. But I think that's where you tied the two together for me was because I want to see men be men, but also they can also, you know, protect the queen and, and be total servant and you connected it by the word how you know so get what you want but how to get what you want you're going to go about it you know uh the canock way you know you're going to go about it the shout way because there's a way that we do this that is for the good of all not just for the good of ourselves or just our family so dig it um man i have so enjoyed our conversation around fatherhood um uh, your credo, your, your core values, your principles, um, just right there to end kind of where we started before I asked my last question, Sure. you know, you said it came from Dave Ramsey, I believe, but what did you have core values as a kid? And if not, what led you to build core values for your family? What was the conviction there that that was something that was needed? You know, 
Yeah, that's that's also a good question. Um, you know, I just I think I think of my own journey because um, I had a lot of kind of not hard years, but uh, I got fired for more jobs than uh, <laughs> care to admit. And you know, it just wasn't a fit. I don't I don't blame the company. I don't blame I blame the guy in the mirror most of the time. But so you know, I, I most of my adult career there was like you know a heavy layer of insecurity there because um, mm. I had tied who I was to the job. And that's another mm-hmm. cool thing that, that Sam learned powers uh, as they get into the psychology of it is there's your role you play in life, which might be salesman or, you know, and for a lot of, I did what was sales. And so if I didn't sell that week, I had connected that to my emotional state. Mm. So bad sales week means lower kneel, more tight, you know, just irritable. And, and those two aren't, they're, they're separate. That's the role I play. Um, so, you know, I think for me, it just it was a journey of, you know, having to figure a lot of things out and just missing that gap as great as my dad was and amazing in so many regards. We didn't dialogue uh, like, but, mm-hmm. you know, kind of knowing my grandpa who, who passed, you know, years ago, um, it, it pencils, he wasn't a man of many words. And, um, so that was modeled to him. So if I can just. To me, it was kind of like, I'm not going to do that. I mean, I had a pretty, a rougher time with my grandpa, you know, old school German Mennonite, you know, very stoic. And he ruled with the iron fist, you know, strong like bull, you know, I mean, just uh, not much. And he was a farmer and, you know, late. And he did that for most, you know, all his working career. And was, he was awesome at it. Did a great job, built up the farms. You know, my dad then ran it and then. Uh, and then times kind of changed when I got to it. And that's a typical kind of model within, you know, the, <laughs> got the one who builds it and then the sustainer and then usually the third or fourth generation has a hard time. Um, now there's a lot of, you know, complexity to that as well. But for me, it just, I didn't see it like how I thought it should be done. I think I suffered a lot of years, not needlessly because I, th- I think suffering isn't necessarily bad. I mean, I, like I shared earlier, you know, I had epilepsy for most of my childhood and that molded me to become the man I am, you mm. know? And, and so I think, you know, alleviating pain isn't the goal in this life. I think that's, that's where it's learned. I mean, uh, an adage between me and my, uh, business partner in the software deal is, you know, crappy things happen or we get hurt or stung or, you know, pay for something that we get ripped off and it's good. Cause there's some good in everything. You just got to look for it. Mm. You know, maybe it's a lesson. Maybe it's uh, brought you to somebody, a new connection, a new, somebody in your network that you didn't know. It's hard to know, you know, where that was or it molded you. Right. Yeah. If it was, if there's it an opportunity stay. to learn in everything. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that's, that's a, it, it, like everything, it's probably a multi kind of tiered complex uh, portion of, of life. But I would say just, definitely seeing kind of how it was done and just thinking I can do better. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, cool. I like yeah. it. I think it's important for dads to think through that, you know, and, and on one hand you're just like, well, my grandfather was like this and my dad was like this. So that's kind of, you know, I can see why. Mm, and I, I hear what you're saying, but you changed it. Right. Yeah. So your kids aren't going to be saying that about you. Well, my dad's dad, would, you know, did this or my, my, my grandfather was this, no, our dad taught us, uh, you know, core values and did this, this, and this. And I'm sure just like you said at the beginning, 
and I would say the same. I don't have this whole dad thing figured out. There's no manual. I'm figuring it out as I go. Yeah. Um, and we're talking about high level highlights right now, right? Yeah. Um, but the reality is, is marriage and family and fatherhood is messy. But that doesn't mean that you can't also have core values along the way and teach your kids great things. It's all encompassing. There's no yeah. perfect dad out there. Nope. Now, my last question for you, Neil, is about legacy. So imagine 30 years down the road, you are standing in a cul-de-sac, peering into the homes of your three boys. They're maybe married. They may have kids. What is it that you see in their homes? And you know that day in, day out, the actions, the words, the way that you lived helped build the legacy that you see. So not financial, but family values, et cetera. What do you see in their homes? Well, I would hope that, you know, like I said, I, I don't, to me in that picture, like if it's in a shack or a mansion, you know, um, you know, yeah, they add a layer of like false security in this life and we cling to those things because it's, it's, it's tangible. It's there. If there's just genuineness, there's laughter, strong communication. Mm. And, and if they get to marry their best friend, like I did, like, I'm a happy man. I can close my eyes and take that last breath and just be at complete peace. Cause that's it. There, you, I, I love what you say. There is no manual and, and I'm screwing it up my own blend, but, but I'm giving it my dang best and I'm fighting like heck man. Fighting it daily. It, man, you just, we screw up and just, I think just being real with your wife in front of them that I think that's a major flaw in that last generation is that you had to hide that stuff. And somehow that made us stronger versus mm. exposing some of it to the light. It's like, yeah, it, we're, we've, we're kind of in a fight right now. Right. You know, and well, what happened? Well, daddy kind of messed up and did this and, you know, and, and mommy, you know, said those things. And, and so just, just kind of be real. And I think in seeing that they see how we work things out. So hopefully they'll use those tools to work it out with, with their spouses or children or, or the like. So honestly, I, I, I see that. I see what's going on in this world with, you know, the whole cancel deal and whatever. And you can have opinions on that one way or another. Uh, it's not going to be my voice. And, and that's just because I'm so highly engaged. And, and if they have layers of that, we're going to, you know, pray or work them through it. And again, they're not perfect kids by a long shot. Uh, but we all just kind of figure out this life together. And they know they got their dad in their, in their corner in their ring. And we are going to fight like heck, like heck. It's not easy, man. It's tiring. So, so tiring. <laughs> yeah. So tiring, but it's so good. That's the struggle. Life, the struggle of life is really what makes it all worth it. Not the, the perfect moments. Um, Neil, thank you so much for being on fatherhood field notes. Thank you so much for the man, the, the father, husband, friend, leader, the constant learner that you are. Keep doing what you're doing. Uh, keep serving your family and the world the way that you do. And I look forward to staying connected to you. And, uh, and, uh, just thank you tremendously for the way that you're raising your boys, because it matters, uh, not only for you and your boys, but for me and my family and every other father that's listening here, it's setting up for future generations that there will be families who, who believe in family. And, and, uh, that is uh, something that is critical for the stability of our world. And, um, so as we fight like heck, like you said, for our families, um, we're going to set that legacy up for family to continue to be a value in homes for future generations. So bro, thank you so much for being on here. Much appreciated. Oh, absolutely. And I, like I said, 
pre-recording it. What you're doing is awesome. Keep this up. It is. It's affecting more people than you know. Mm. And uh, and you know you glean. Like my mentor said years ago, you just you take those pieces that you know that work for you in your life. And each kid is different. Each dad is different. Um, you got strengths and weaknesses. Mine's being super silly and. Uh, even my wife, the joke in the family is that I'm the fourth boy, right? Because it's like sometimes the four of us just get so carried away in the moment where they're wrestling or doing something. Just just get caught up in it. And yeah, but keep doing what you're doing, Ned. Appreciate Thank it. Thank you. Uh, happy to be here. And I hope this helps somebody. Yeah, love it. All right, man. Until next time. Cool. Man, what an incredible conversation. I love Neil's real humble approach, genuine approach to life, um, approach of, I don't have it all figured out, but here I am. I'm going after life the best that I can, but I'm continuing to grow. And you hear he is on a constant journey of learning and growing, but it doesn't slow him down from showing up as himself today. I absolutely love the words protect the queen and that's really what stuck out to me when I first met Neil and knew I had to have a deeper conversation with him to hear his family credo and to hear the way that he's raising his boys gives me incredible hope for future generations I want to thank all you dads out there who are doing the same who are listening to this rebel and create fatherhood field notes podcast learning and growing so that you can show up well for your families what you do matters don't be like everybody else be yourself that's who your kids Kids, spouse, and community needs. This is your guide, Ned Shout. Together, let's rebel against the view that fatherhood has little impact and create lives engaged in mastering the craft of fatherhood. If you haven't done so already, write a review, share this podcast episode with a dad that you think could learn and grow from it. And I look forward to hanging out with you next time. 